We're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving this morning. We're going to talk about fostering a heart of Thanksgiving. What do you think about that? I'm not certain about you, but there are so many times in my life and throughout the year that I forget to be thankful. Can anybody relate to that? I forget to be thankful. Like when I'm driving the car and somebody cuts me off. I forget to be thankful that I at least have a car, a vehicle to get me from point A to point B, especially when it's like 20 degrees outside, right? Usually I yell something. Or I say something under my breath. I, I, I don't know. It makes me feel better. It doesn't do any good. Right? But, but there's times when we forget to be thankful. We miss the point of the Thanksgiving season. And I'm kind of, I kind of want to lay some of this at the feet of Madison Avenue. Because it seems like to me that right when the kids go back to school the end of August... Halloween candy is in the store. And then the minute, the minute that September rolls around, we skip Thanksgiving and go straight to Christmas. You guys might have seen a meme. I tend to post it every year. Somebody to, and if I ever could find these two, these two blow up things, uh, Bobby and I love blow up decorations because you can put them up. It's real easy in the yard. You can set them on timers. They come up and they go off all on their own. You know, and there's not a whole lot to him. But Santa is on his side, and the turkey is sitting on top of him, and it says, Not yet, fat boy. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. Because, you know, if you look at me, you know, I'm a person who likes to eat food, and Thanksgiving is a major food, you know, holiday. We skip over it, we go from Halloween to Christmas, and you know what? Society, we're not really built. Our society is not really built around gratitude or thanksgiving. The writer of Hebrews, the scripture we heard earlier today, tells us something interesting, and I believe something that we can hold on to because it is God's unshakable faithfulness towards humanity which creates gratitude. I'm so thankful that Jesus stepped out of his place in heaven and came to be one of us. You know what? No matter what the situation is that I am in in life, it can be the most rotten, terrible thing. I can still be grateful for the sacrifice that Christ made for you and for me. And I want to read that scripture with you this morning. It's Hebrews. Again, we'll read at 12 verses 28 and 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. You know, when I think about it, gratitude isn't really about feeling happy or being joyous, right? It's not really an emotional reaction. It's kind of a discipline. John Wesley would have called it a means of grace, right? Yeah, and, and I kind of, that word discipline kind of gets overused, I think, sometimes. It's a means of grace that comes from our identity in Jesus Christ, right? That unshakable foundation of God Himself and the kingdom that his, He is building. And here's, here's what I want you to remember our strongest hope is in the unshakable kingdom of God. Gratitude is the result. Now, I got to tell you, 
when Jesus talked to Peter. I have kind of a different uh, thing about when Jesus uh, reinstated Peter or restored Peter, however you want to say that. When Jesus said it was upon this rock that I'm going to build my church, I don't think it was really on Peter he was going to build the church. Okay? I think it was on the finished work of the cross. Do you ever, do you ever know that, I mean, growing up, I hear that, and I'm, I don't know where I picked it up. Pastor Terry, did they preach it way back in the day when you were younger too? I don't think so. Jesus isn't telling Peter that he is going to, it's the unshakable kingdom of God. Salvation is done. When Jesus said it is finished, it is done. There is nothing that can change his death and resurrection. It is finished, complete. The bill is paid in full. There's a whole bunch of phrases you can use in that, but it always means it's done. Okay? So think for a moment here with me. Think for a moment how an Olympic athlete must train. Now, I play pickleball, but I don't train like an Olympic. Is pickleball in the Olympics yet? I don't soon, right? I'm looking at Joanne because Joanne knows pickleball. We're, and Lynn knows pickleball, yeah, right? It's not there yet, though, is it, ladies? It's going to get there. I played some the other day at Claybell, and man, was it cold. Oh, but man, some of these people out there playing play like they're Olympic athletes. And you know what? You think about this for a minute. They always have to train, but when we hit the pandemic a couple years back, guess what they couldn't do? A lot of them couldn't train. There was a lot of things. So some of them got kind of creative. And, and I read some stories and I, I looked online. There was a swimmer who trained at home practicing strokes on the, on the island in the kitchen. I'm not that dedicated. Although I did get a new pickleball paddle the other day. And um, I, I was hanging on to it, just sitting in my chair, just kind of, you know, doing this. Just kind of getting used to it. You got to get used to it, right? Right? Joanne and Lynn, you got you, Gary, you know what I'm talking about. You, you got to get used to that pickleball paddle. You know, somebody asked me, did you take it to bed with you? And I was like, no, I did not take it to bed with me. But it was really cool. You know, when you want to be good at something, you practice, right? We have to guess what? Practice gratitude and being thankful. It's not something that comes to us. It's not something that's natural. Just like an athlete practices their physical disciplines, guess what? <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, it's not always enjoyable. It's not always fun. But we can be encouraged that as Christians, we are part of an unmovable, unshakable, firm foundation that no matter what happens in this life, either to us or around us, we can be grateful for what Christ has done. We can meditate on the life of Christ as faithful and good and on his promise that he's doing what he said he would do. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Someday he will return and take us home to our real home. When I was, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old, one of my, one of my older cousins who was a teenager gave me a cassette tape. Most of you know what a cassette tape is, right? Okay. Just got to check, you know, if I said eight track, 
Most of us know what an 8-track is. This was a cassette tape, not an 8-track, but I did have some 8-tracks. This cassette tape was of a Christian group called Petra, and they were like, all of a sudden, my favorite. And the, the, the name of the album was Not of This World. And they had this song, the title song, Not of This World, and it talked about how we are not of this world. You see, the minute that we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we step into this unshakable kingdom. And we become, as the Bible says, Paul writes it, citizens of heaven. We're no longer citizens of this world. We are just, oh, my grandmother used to sing the song, the poor wafering strangers. I never liked it because it's kind of a depressing song. But... There's a point to it. We don't belong here anymore. But as Christians, we can practice gratitude. We can, we can be part of this unmovable, unshakable kingdom. And God is going to send his son back again to take us home to our real home. Paul, in many of his letters to the church, gives us a different standard than we see in society today. He always was thanking God for somebody. Did you notice that? He's thanking God for this church and thanking God for this person and thanking God for that person. Thankfulness and gratitude are something we don't see much of in society anymore, and we often skip over them. We, we, it's real easy to forget but in 1 Thessalonians, Paul starts it out with some thanksgiving. He says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, all three of us, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And then at the very end of this letter, he says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Last week, we, we sang a song, um, Is He Worthy? And um, my favorite line in that song, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? You know, talking about all the different attributes of Jesus. Is he worthy? Yes, he is. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. We need to remind ourselves. Why are we grateful and thankful when Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, he speaks mostly about Jesus' second coming, when Jesus is going to return. Those who have believed in Christ and died will raise again. Those who believed in our living are going to meet him in the air, how believers inherit salvation. He goes through all this whole thing in preparation for the return of Christ. And then he says that we are to be kept holy and blameless on that day, but that it's God who will do that. He will produce within us when we submit our lives to him, he produces the holiness that he requires. And then he commends us to be thankful. The sanctifying work that Christ does in us and through us, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can be thankful for that. We can be thankful for that. It's not really us. 
I mean, we have a part, we have a responsibility, we always do, right? The biggest thing is our part, our responsibility is to submit. We don't like that word, submit. For some reason, it's difficult for us to do that. But that's all we got to do. And then he does the work in us and through us. And then we are able to be thankful in, in every situation, not because of the outcome of said situation, but because of Christ Jesus completed salvific work on the cross. He makes possible two things. First, that we are saved from the power of canceled sin. We've sang that song before. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. But we are also saved to. We are saved from the power of canceled sin. And we are saved to the work in God's kingdom. And this is what I want you to remember. This is the, the second thing. Is that God is always with us. He never leaves us. God is always with us. If there's anything that you write down today, anything you take away from today's sermon, if there is anything, when you become a disciple of Jesus Christ, his Holy Spirit dwells within you and you are never alone. You know, over the past couple of years with the isolation that we've experienced, um, there are some confirmations of old studies in some new studies that talk about loneliness. There are some of us who do like to be alone and quiet and by ourselves, but we're not designed to be like that all the time. Did you know that? We are designed, God, when he built us, designed us to live in community with him and each other. There is a social aspect to our lives. Practicing an attitude of gratitude is something we need to be reminded to do on a regular basis. And please hear me because I do not thank God for every circumstance. I don't thank God for terrible circumstances or for something that happens around me or to me that's just bad, rotten, or evil. I do thank God that in those situations, he does not leave me alone. How can it be God's will? How might it be God's will for us to give thanks in all circumstances? Sometimes we see in the messiness of life, redemption and restoration of lost people. Sometimes we don't. But we can know God is with us. Jesus made good on all his promises. When he said, I am going away to prepare a place for you so that someday you can come and be with me in the presence of the Father. You know what? His track record is so good. <laughs> we can believe that that's going to happen. We can believe in the rest of his promises that he will be with us to the end of the age. And that's what he told the disciples in Matthew chapter 28. He says to the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, go to the mountain where Jesus had, had told them to go. And they did. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. 
Some doubted. Do you ever have moments like that? I do. There's nothing wrong with doubt. I know. Doubting Thomas always gets a bad rap. We always call him Doubting Thomas. Right? We seem to kind of bag on him a little bit too much, if you know what I mean. He just really gets a bad rap. But you know what? Jesus, when, when Thomas doubted, did Jesus say, Thomas, knock it off. Get, get your mind right. No. He said, Thomas, come here. I know this is what you need. Put your hand in my hand. Put your hand in my side. You can feel where that spear went into my side. He invited Thomas to come along with him. Come here. It's me. It's really me. When Jesus uh, saw him, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always when you face hard times. When you face the impossible, when terrible circumstances surround you, happen to you, happen to your families, your friends, I am with you. Think we could practice some gratitude even in those times? Yeah. You see, gratitude is an antidote to anxiety and worry and despair. It's not that we come at the harder things in life with rose-colored glasses and pretend we don't see the pain. You ever meet those people? I've met them. They're just like, oh, you can be joyous in all occasions, and you can just shake that off. And No, 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 that's not what That's not what God's Word is saying. God's Word is saying that we can be grateful to God for his salvific work in spite of what's going on around us or to us. We give thanks in all circumstances. It's a discipline to practice. Aligning ourselves with God, knowing that he can redeem. Redeem. Redemption. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called In a Grief Observed, and he said this, God has not been trying an experiment on my faith or love in order to find out their quality. He knew it already. It was I who didn't. In this trial, he makes us occupy the dock, the witness box, the bench all at once. He always knew that my temple was a house of cards. His only way of making me realize the fact was to knock it down. Sometimes when we encounter suffering, we are enabled to see what we're really made of and what we value. It's grace to see ourselves as we are. It doesn't feel good. How many of you like looking in the mirror in the morning? Ugh. Right? Even after I comb my hair. But to see yourself as God sees you, I was told a story once about suffering. It was about a woman in the church. She had this life. She had this 
led this life worthy of a calling, just one of the matriarchs of the church and, and was just walked in step with the Holy Spirit. You just, when you saw her and you talked to her, you just knew she was a believer. And then she experienced, not by her own hand, she experienced some time of great suffering. And her comment was this, I don't ever want to waste a time of suffering in this life. I want to learn everything that God can teach me, and I want to see how God is going to redeem this. I was amazed at this story. I got on this idea, not wasting suffering. We can be thankful and not waste suffering. Not that we're thankful for the suffering, but we can be thankful for what God can teach us, how we can grow, how he can shape us, how he can change us from within, because we can learn from God in all circumstances, and we can be grateful to God in his acts of redemption, giving thanks in everything. And by the way, giving thanks in everything is different for, from giving thanks for everything. I don't know if I've made that clear. Giving thanks in everything is different than giving thanks for everything. There have been times where I have not been thankful about what has been happening. I am thankful for the redemption, but I am not thankful for the mess. And sometimes God redeems the situation to my favor and sometimes not. But he still redeems. We have to remember we live outside of the Garden of Eden and that sin has brought sickness and disease and death. And I was writing this sermon and I was remembering when we were in Moscow, Idaho. We were in interim time. And for those of you who maybe don't know, in interim time, sometimes you just, you know, it's like drawing straws, who you get to fill the pulpit and how things go. And we're a little better at it now. We have some some interim pastors on our district that come in and they kind of do things a certain way. We're getting better, but I'm telling you for, for, um, churches that say gambling is really not a thing to be doing. We used to Terry shaking his head. Yes. We used to gamble at who we, you know, got for the interims, got a retired DS. They can make it up on the platform, hang on to the pulpit and stay upright. Boy, howdy. That some of you laugh. I witnessed some of that, okay? I was part of some of that, okay? We were there and we had several retired DSs during that time that came through for pulpit supply. There was a young family like mine and Bobby's, and a horrible, horrible thing happened. They had four children, we had three. Our three matched up with the older three of theirs. Age for age, matched up. They had one that was a little younger. She was one and a half years old. She was doing some arts and crafts one day at home and stuck a dry bean in her mouth and inhaled it. She still got some oxygen past the bean into her lungs, so they life-flighted her to Spokane. And then when they went in with that little tool to grab that dry bean, 
And he said it shattered into a thousand pieces and she aspirated on it. That was my first funeral as a pastor. It was over 20 years ago. And I still feel it like it was yesterday. It's the kind of thing that makes you hug your kids and cry. I tell you this story not because I thank God for the death of that little girl. I don't thank God for that. I don't thank God for the pain and the family went through. I don't thank God for the pain our church went through. And I do not believe that at any point in time God caused or orchestrated this terrible, horrible event because God is not the perpetrator of death. God brings life. But I am grateful and thankful to God along with the family of this little girl that he took this awful, terrible mess and squeezed some good out of it. Moments after her death, before her parents left the hospital, they had the opportunity to pray with each and every person down to the janitorial staff in that hospital. Everyone who was involved with her procedure. And God entered into the most dark, painful, dismal event. A child dying. And he brought beauty out of ashes. God's Holy Spirit invaded the darkness, and for that, I can be thankful. Maybe I should have made that the point that giving thanks in everything is not the same as giving thanks for everything. The last point that I want to make this morning is that gratitude begins and ends in God's sustaining love. God's Holy Spirit invaded that situation out of his love. And this mom and dad had such a love for God and such a love for others that as they experienced this pain, that the Holy Spirit somehow took them from feeling that beyond all understanding they were able to love the people who had experienced it with them. God's, our gratitude begins and ends in God's sustaining love. We don't recognize goodness the same way that we recognize evil. Do you ever think about that? Our news stories are peppered with pain, terrible things, not goodness. When my middle son, Taylor, went off to be a Marine, his goal was to be a combat engineer. For those of you who have military in your family, you know what those guys do, right? They drive the roads. They make sure there's no IEDs. They're the ones getting shot at all the time. Mom and dad and his whole entire church prayed, God, anything but that, please. And instead, they made him an HVAC mechanic. And I remember how disappointed Taylor was. He was very disappointed. 
I said, Taylor, I got to tell you, son, I am so sorry you were that disappointed. But as a parent, I am so thankful that you're not the guy out there getting shot at all the time. I said, I can't begin to tell you how thankful I am. But I am sad that you, you know, I am sad that you're disappointed. About the time he went in, I quit watching the news. I couldn't. I couldn't watch the news at all. I'd like see the news and I'd be like, nope, not going to do it. Shut it off. I used to love watching the news. My grandparents, I had grandparents who that's, you know, back in the day, that's what you did. I had one set of grandparents had this big, lovely does everybody know what console TV? Some you, it had a, a dial on it that you changed the channels. You turned it. And I remember when they replaced it, and Grandpa got a clicker, we called it, which was the first remote control that wasn't me. Right? Because he'd be like, hey, go change that channel. Put it on channel three. It's time for Crossfire. I'm going to watch Crossfire. Put it on there. Your grandmother and I watch Crossfire now. Go, go up there. It was a big box. I'm not kidding you. It was a big, huge box, thick. It had two buttons on it, actually three, power, and then it had up and down. And when you hit the up button, you would see uh, the, the dial turn kind of, I think, to the left. And if you push the down, it went to the right. You would watch this thing spin around, right? They used to, my grandparents, and, and then my other grandma and grandpa, they never got a TV like that. They never did. We always had to be the remote control. We did. But they would watch all these different shows where they reported the news or they debated events and ideas and thoughts and all of this stuff and, and did all of these things. And so, you know, as I grew up, I would watch, excuse me, morning news shows or I would watch the evening news, stay up to 11 o'clock, you know. I never got to see Walter Conkright, but, you know, I mean, you know, I got to watch the news be reported, what, what happened in the day, you know? And then Taylor decides he wants to be a Marine, and I'm like, oh, I couldn't do it anymore because the news is just full of a lot of negative things. So I don't know if you guys know who, who uh, John Krasinski is. Does, it, is. does anybody know who that is? There's a few of us who do. If you've watched the show The Office, he's on The Office. John Krasinski's on The Office. He is. At the beginning of the pandemic, he began a YouTube show that he titled SGN or Some Good News. And it is absolutely funny. I've watched some of the videos, Okay. I've watched the reruns of it on YouTube. It's, it's absolutely, but there are story upon story of selflessness or he'll make fun of himself or, you know, somebody will send in some artwork and, and it'll be of him and, and he'll just, he, he loved it because it was all positive stuff. He did stories about frontline hospital workers. Uh, story about a virtual prom for graduating seniors. He found good things that were happening and got them out there. You know what? When we realize and we read about good things and goodness, we actually are at rest. 
We can find peace. We can remove anxiety when we realize and we read good news. Did you know that? We have a story about good news in the church. It's the greatest example of answering evil with good. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is God's goodness. Jesus dying a death he didn't deserve to rescue his people. Psalm 136 encourages us to give thanks to God because of his goodness. Charles Spurgeon writes of this text, and he says, God is good beyond all others. Indeed, he alone is good in the highest sense. He is the source of good, the good of all good, the sustainer of good, the perfecter of good, and the rewarder of good. For this, he deserves constant gratitude of his people. God's goodness prompts his mercy and grace. Everything good that we receive, everything good that we know, everything good that we experience comes from God. Is anyone here good? I don't know that we can claim that, except God alone is good. His love endures forever. And that refrain, his love endures forever, it's a liturgical feature. Psalm 136, it's repeated over and over and over. It's an element to practice, not only practice saying it together, but to believe it. Ezra 3.11 indicates this encouragement was part of a responsive singing among God's people. And they sang responsibly, responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love endures forever toward Israel. I think it's good to remind ourselves of this. You and I, those of us who are here, those who are at home, we're going to responsibly read Psalm 136. We're going to participate in this timeless reading. Dates back before the church began. And it's really easy. You have an easy line. I'm going to say a line and then you're going to say a line. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. It's real easy. Every time I stop speaking, all you have to do is say, his love endures forever. Okay? Let's see if we can get this. Go. Whoops. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. Who by his understanding made the heavens. Who spread out the earth upon the waters. Who made the great lights. The sun to govern the day the moon and stars to govern the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them. 
with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and brought Israel through the midst of it, but swept Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to his servant Israel. He remembered us in our low estate and freed us from our enemies. He gives food to every creature. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you and we praise you for it is your love that endures forever. Father God, the love that you showed humanity when you provided the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, when you left heaven and was born a baby in a manger, no kingly entrance into this world, you stepped out of yours into ours. You became one of us. You lived among us. And you died for us. Paying the price we all owed but could never pay. And rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave that we could live in right relationship, in restored relationship, redeemed by our God, our King, to live with you in your kingdom as joint heirs. May we remember May we continue, not just this time of year, but Lord God, would you do that work in us so deeply within us, Lord God, that we would remember to live lives of gratitude, even in the messiness of life that happens around us. Holy Spirit, do a deeper work within us so that you can work through us for those around us, that they would benefit from a life of gratitude. Lord God, we praise you and we thank you for all that you've done. We praise you and we thank you for all that you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' name, your son, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah of the world. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.